<laughs> you can't get hysterical about Craig before we start doing the podcast, Zeta. Uh, okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. I know asking you not to be hysterical about something is a tall order. But... <laughs> just don't just don't start crying about this. I'm already a little weepy. That's <laughs> fine, that happens. That's how that's how it is on this picture. Let's get the podcast done. Your Android ears and taxons, if you manage to snag a pair of earbuds, welcome to the Wonder Years. All your animals rereading and eventual rewatching needs. I'm Sarah. Hey, wh- hey, I'm I'm Blair. Hey, what was that? Hey. It was like a shitty thing. It was like it was like the composer of Flight of the Bumblebees was like, how can I make this like shitty though? Okay, and I'm Seda. Well, I'm Seda. Hey, <laughs> I mean, I have questions, but I don't think um, you're going to be able to ad- adequately, adequately answer them. I mean, um, I always kind of go a little bit sing-songy at the end of my shit when we do this show. I'm sure you've noticed. Yeah, but that was a little bit next level. Right? <laughs> Listen, I just ate a burrito the size of my head, so we've got about 30 minutes of activity in me. So <laughs> Until you just, like, fall asleep. Yeah. Until your whole body gives out of it. Fall- Fall asleep, wake up in two hours to poop, and then fall back asleep. No. Yeah. No? Just out for 14 hours. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. We read, a, we read a, Um. So we read an anime. Well, actually, no. I have a funny anecdote. It's not related at all to the book, but it just happened to me. Sure. Um, I was downstairs. I, I have a new... I've been trying to cut back on my uh, my snacking, specifically for, like, chips and shit. So like, I've... Managed to substitute it for uh, cucumbers with uh, sea salt over top of it, which is fucking delicious. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm downstairs in the kitchen, like having a conversation with one of my roommates, and um, let's call her Darvis. Sure, and- that's a name. <laughs> and uh, I- I'm just having a conversation. I'm cutting the cucumber slices, and uh, I offer Darvis the cucumber butt, and she's like, "Oh, I love cucumber butts, but this is a zucchini." And I'm like, "No, it's not." And then, I- then she's like, "Yeah, it is." And I take a bite. No, it's not. And then I take a bite. I take like two seconds. I'm like, "This is a fucking zucchini." <laughs> Someone um, at the grocery store did a prank that they that they knew for a fact there was no way they were going to see the result of it, but they still fucking got me, and that is some shit. Um, truth be told, if you put a zucchini and a cucumber next to each other right now in front of me, I could not be confident that I'd be able to tell the difference between the two of them. I mean, if you've never had a reptile, it's pretty understandable because ha- like everything the reptile eats is zucchini and like sometimes I'll drop a slice on the floor and I'm like, like I would be like, Chunk doesn't deserve this, but I don't want to <laughs> throw it away because the trash can's a couple of steps over, so I'll just eat this. <laughs> oh, so, so you can eat the floor zucchini, but Chunk can't. Yeah, exactly. an animal that would probably <laughs> normally be eating off the ground. <laughs> 
Of course, I would never do that to my son. When he when he eats off the ground, he sees it on the ground and he knows that it's on the ground. I don't want to give him something that has been on the ground without his knowledge and without his consent. Mm. Informed, enthusiastic food consent. We're hey, we're all just animals that are eating off the ground. So, anyways, um, we read an animal book this week. Mm-hmm. We sure did. Well, I just the- like. Let's talk about the cover first. I actually oh have it physically in front of me because last week, shortly after we were recorded, I believe actually, no, because that was two weeks ago. So just last week, unrelated to us recording anything, I was just tying those events together. Ah, I'm spiraling. Burrito spiral. Um, <laughs> I was walking down the street. You got this. You got this, Ada. <laughs> I passed a Chumley's that had a display of used books. And guess what I saw? The Animorphs. Animorphs. <laughs> I saw the very book that we were about to read. And I got so excited. I, like, grabbed it. And I grabbed another Animorphs book that was beside it. And I sort of fell into the Chumleys and I was like, how do I pay for these books I found outside? And the cashier was like, at the cash? And I was like, okay. <laughs> so I know how to function in society and I'm fine. Uh, sorry, about the, sorry about the weird sound in the background of my audio. I My girlfriend found a pop filter for $2 and she bought it for me and I just realized I hadn't attached a microphone yet. So here yeah. is me with a pop filter. It's beautiful. Great. Thank you. I'm probably just going to... Oh, wait, hold on. Hold on. Uh, Earmuffs, this is going to sound shitty. Well, don't. No, it it didn't sound shitty at all. That was just me me taking the sock that's been sitting on my microphone for two months off of it. Okay. Let's talk about about an... I'm laughing about (laughs) Sada's panic. Well, don't. (laughs) Um, I w- okay, I do actually have something specific to say about this cover because as soon as I saw it, I was hit in the face with like a wave of nostalgia because I'd never read these books before, but I'd always just stared at the covers when I whenever <laughs> whenever I was like a small child at the public library. And I distinctly remember looking at this one and being like, wow, I wonder what this book series is about. That sure is a fucked up looking rat. This one this one's got an image that sticks in your craw. Yeah, I mean, it's good. It's, well, it's good. <laughs> I'll stand by that. No, I'll stand by that. So, I mean, I think the, I think this was interesting because the fourth one is very much, I'm getting a very Stuart Little vibe from it. And the third I one is like, like a I... third one is like, a th- the third one is like a, a, a mouse furry with really bad posture. Yeah, I like love the fourth one because it's yeah. like a cool mouse with eyebrows. You know, it's like still got eyebrows and like it's got a little bit of, a, a little bit of like like actual defined hair too. Yeah, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah. I'm a big fan of the fourth one. More mice and you know other assorted animals should have eyebrows, right? Right. This is this is something I this is something I can get behind. I'm I'm 100 behind that. Is that a is that Lumpo 2020's uh, campaign slogan? Yes. Okay, let's reference something nobody knows anything about. Yes, it's Lumpo 2020. 2020 is arguably your most famous contribution to online, Blair. That is definitely not true, but I, I appreciate. Okay, it. until you started, until you started become, until you joined the Always Sunny fandom. Before that, I was, I was, I was the, I was the matriarch of the Yogg's cast uh, high school AU. Fan. God, you're right. You were. Anyways, we can't talk about Yogg's cast high school AU. Um, that's just a little uh, uh, window into like what I've been up to my entire life. <laughs> so <laughs> um, I write a lot of fan fiction. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
Um, so, so this ends the David trilogy. This does. How do y'all feel about this one? Weird. <laughs> because yeah. the whole time I was like, these are childs. I know. Well, I, mean, I, th- I think this is, I, I think this is the, the last book that Caplegate actually wrote herself. Oh, I think it's also the best one. I can understand that. I th- that makes a lot of sense as like a send off um, for everything she was going for. I'm gonna double check mm-hmm. that, make sure that uh, I'm correct about that. I'll also say that in this book, the p- fact that their children was driven home much uh, more aggressively because we learned that they are probably twelve or thirteen. Oh, yeah? Because um, at one point, Rachel is yelling at Jake, and she says, you're not yet in high school. Yeah, that was really like, Jesus, I forgot how young these kids are. Yeah, because well, I, I had no, I thought they directly referenced high school before, but maybe I was wrong. Yeah, but yeah, I, holy I, shit. I really thought that they were probably like 14, 15, 16, like grade 9 or 10, mm-hmm. right? But no, mm-hmm. it sounds like they're probably in grade 7 or 8, um, yeah. which is like, shit. They're kids. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god! No, that that specifically is really insane because I actually I missed that detail while I was reading this one. Yeah. Um. So hearing that, I'm just like, oh boy, <laughs> oh man. Um. We have some childrens here. We certainly do. I wonder who can I, I wonder who canonically is the oldest out of them. I, I'm I'm sure it's been discussed. I'm sure it's been mentioned at some point, but I don't know it off the top of my head. I don't know if I, it has. I would guess Rachel. I don't know why. <laughs> Uh, let's see. I'm going to go Rachel, Tobias, Marco, uh, Cassie, Jake. Yeah, I would think something, something like that. Uh, Jake being the youngest makes him, makes him an especially deep character to me. I just thought it was cute, (laughs) but yeah. yeah. (laughs) Um, Um, so speaking of children, if you were 12 in 1998, this makes a lot of sense because we basically open up with Rachel in the middle of a dream sequence and in this dream sequence she makes a south park reference oh my god i was like hey what <laughs> who yeah and, and, and who's okay look i know it's like everyone was watching south park as a child but who was watching south park as a child um who let rachel watch <laughs> it was one of south the bit shows that i was explicitly banned from watching <laughs> Oh, I yeah. don't think I was even but, aware of South Park when I was well, when I was twelve, yeah. But my parents were <laughs> extremely like strict about what cartoon what animated shows I could and could not watch. This meant that like I was loved because they didn't really watch any of these shows, they just kind of based it on what they what they'd heard from external sources. They let me watch King of the Hill before letting me watch The Simpsons. And I was not allowed to watch the Donkey Kong uh cartoon uh, until I was about seven years old. Why? Yeah. No idea. I think, like, my I wasn't allowed to watch shows uh, not because of adult content, but because a certain one of my parents thought that all TV was anti-intellectual. Um, <laughs> sure. Which, so I don't understand any of your fucking SpongeBob references. I don't understand your <laughs> Simpsons references. I don't have any of this nostalgia, and I'm lost on the internet all of the time. <laughs> <laughs> Truly a tragic figure here. <laughs> I never watched The Simpsons because um, I, not because I wanted to and was banned from it. I just didn't watch it. Yeah, that's fine. (laughs) Um, Yeah, uh, my dad is obsessed with SpongeBob though, so it was constantly on the TV. He probably (laughs) knows the show better than I do. That's awesome. Uh, 
to the point where he'll just like well he spends a lot of time by himself at home because mm-hmm. um, he he was kind of the homemaker so like well both of the kids were at school he would just like be at home by himself so he just talks to himself a lot um so he'll just like quote like entire sections of episodes to himself just in the kitchen and i just like get to have that sort of radio theater while i'm at home with him that's great is somebody cutting their nails no no anyway sorry about sorry about the rough edit there folks <laughs> it's not um, gonna be rough it's gonna be beautiful yeah, it's yeah, same, same as editing. Sorry about that. Sada's an audio magician. <laughs> Sorry for calling attention to the seamless edit there, folks. Uh, y'all want to talk about, okay. Let's so, just yeah. get into the book. Yeah. This, yeah, this book picks up where we left off with Axe, uh, well, where, where we left off sort of um, with Axe uh, having been dispatched to get Rachel mm-hmm. uh, for to stop David mm-hmm. from mm-hmm. his his shit. And yeah, I'm for doing more, his bastard boy shtick. I'm yeah. so immediately excited for this book because, first of all, it feels like it's been a minute since we got a Rachel perspective, which I'm not sure mm-hmm. if that's true. But let me take a look at look, let me take a look at Richard's animorphs form. Sure. Uh, Richard, if Richard, if you're listening, get at us. Um, it's it's just always good to get a girl book, though. You know, it is. Yeah. and also we haven't it's... had Rachel since the Underground, which was the oatmeal episode or the oatmeal book. Oh, good. <laughs> right, all right. So it's been, it's been five books since the last Rachel book. Yeah, which is... and yeah. like things have really picked up in the last five books, obviously, especially the last three. But yeah. in particular, immediately this book starts planting the seeds that this is going to be Rachel finally contending with her, her like morality and finally contending with the hints we've been seeing dropped over the past few books where other characters have been have talked about how much Rachel enjoys being at war and how she was made yeah. for this. And, Pays off mm-hmm. in a huge way Yeah, here. and you can tell that this is where it's all going to start to like come to a head. And so I got mm. so excited so quickly. Yes. Um, um, and Because not only a Rachel book, but an introspective Rachel book. Exactly. And this book delivered. Absolutely, oh, big time. Uh, so, I, I I know I said it earlier, but I just want to get a gut check on this feel. Um, best book so far? Uh, it, it'd be so hard for me to make that judgment. Um, I really like this one, but um, I, I don't know if I would say. I don't, I don't know if I would say it's my favorite, but I don't know. I don't have the memory to say what would be my favorite. You um, know what I, I think, mean? I think for me, it's this or the escape, which is the Marco one with the hammerhead shark and his mother on the underground base or on the underwater base. I mm. certainly enjoyed this book a lot, but also I don't think it's a fair comparison to any of the other books because it's like the explicit culmination of a three book series rather than right. a standalone book. Um, yeah, so yeah. it doesn't, it has so much more that it was able to like play off of and pay off. Uh, mm-hmm. So while I, I think it was certainly very good as, on its own merits, I can't really compare it to the rest of the books. That's fair. Yeah. That's very fair. Yeah. Um, but anyways, so Axe is like, hey, Rachel, uh, there's trouble. Tobias might be dead. And Jake is fighting David. And Rachel's like, oh, fuck. Give me like well, 30 shit, seconds. Let's go. <laughs> yeah. And immediately, like, she's like, why did Jake think of me specifically, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, and, uh, she, like, yeah. I, think, I think pretty quickly jumps to the conclusion. It's because, oh, it's because I'd be the most one willing to, like, kill someone, you it's know? It's definitely in the first chapter, she says something like, 
oh, I realized why I know what I'd do if I caught David and Jake also knows what I'd do. So mm-hmm. that's why he decided to send Axe to get me and not that, Cassie that, or Marco. That's a bit of a motif in this book specifically, like yeah. that Rachel, like Rachel never explicitly outright stating it, but like her knowing deep down that she would be the, like Marco and Cassie might like, might like wobble, might like fold a little bit and Rachel would just, you know, go for the jugular. And Jake knows that as well. She never said, she never says it quite explicitly like that, but like she does say, I know it deep down and Jake also knows it. She kind of explicitly says it. Later. Yeah. Yeah. but (laughs) (laughs) She does say it. Um, I misspoke. It's okay. Um, Yeah. It's so, so they head to the mall where uh, they see like, uh, Jake, like in a pool of blood as up. a tiger. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Jake is a fucked up tiger, uh, which is fun, and everyone loves to see that. Um, uh-huh. you yeah. put, the thing is, you can put a fucked up tiger anywhere. Sure you can. can, especially <laughs> in the middle of a mall. That's um, where you'll find then, me on Saturday. <laughs> um, as and as <laughs> Draw, much as, like, drunk in the JC Penny. <laughs> don't don't do that. <laughs> well, <laughs> you'll the, get escorted the, out of the mall. The joke um, was fucked. I mean, the fucked up tiger can go anywhere. That was no, the joke. I got, Okay, oh sorry, sorry. I'm, <laughs> I'm saying don't do it. <laughs> it's, been, it's been a week. It's been a week. I know it's only Tuesday. It's been a lot this week. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, what I really loved about this, like, opening sequence is that we haven't referenced the fact that Rachel is a gymnast in a grip. Absolutely. Yeah, this is good. Yeah. And then she does some gymnastics, and I'm like, fuck yeah. yeah. Um, it's because... Uh, uh, she saves Jake's ass and manages to chase. Uh, uh, she like in, while she's de- while she um she's demorphing because there's uh no David's nowhere to be seen. She demorphs uh, from the hawk and uh, into uh, I think she's going for bear. I don't remember exactly because she gets interrupted by David in lion form, who like basically makes her jump off. A, basically, makes her jump onto like a what is it like a six eight inch well, she, uh, she throws herself over a railing because he charges at her she throws yes. herself over a railing and is and he's sort of toying with her like i could just bite your little fingies rachel what's up <laughs> um and then she sees like a beam and she's like fuck it rolls acrobatics <laughs> gets like a 15 <laughs> and <laughs> manages to land just barely um Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. this immediately also, I I was so excited for the first few chapters of this book. Um, she explicitly threatens David because he's leaving, um, he's running away, and she says, "I'll kill you." Like she says the words, "David, if I catch you, I'll kill you." Mm-hmm. And I think this would be jarring no matter what. But after, as we pointed out, like the specific nonviolence of the last couple books, especially the last book. Mm-hmm. Um, hearing a pointed death threat in contrast to that is like, l- like left me like slack jawed for a moment. Um, and really, well, I mean, home. I mean, J- Jake did do some very thinly veiled threatenings to David last book, but sure. he would never, like, but Jake like, would never actually threaten to kill someone. Is the thing, right? He would, he maybe would allude to it, and there's no actual like force behind it, you know? Yeah, yeah, that's because fair. he wouldn't. And that's also kind of what I'm saying is that there is no, there's no euphemism in this at all, which has historically uh-huh. been what the series does. And mm-hmm. because it's a kid's book for kids, you know, <laughs> exactly. And so having her, 
And she even corrects herself at one point. She says something like in, in, in her internal monologue, she says, oh, I'm going to destroy him. No, no, no. I'm not going to destroy him. I'm going to kill him. <laughs> and it's mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. holy shit. And yeah, I yeah. mean, I guess get I, it. <laughs> I get it because girl power, I guess. <laughs> feminism to new levels, baby. Um, yeah. And basically at this point, the cops have discovered that there's a tiger, a dying tiger in the middle of the mall. The paramedics show up, which is great. And also uh, Rachel and Axe correctly guess that they'll probably end up calling Cassie's family uh, to come rescue this animal. And I love Cassie's mom and dad and Cassie all show up. And Cassie's immediately like, what the fuck? I know this tiger, which is so funny to me. (laughs) Just like, this is one of ours, yeah. Yeah. No, Cassie's mom knows because Jake has copied a tiger from the, zoo. the place she works. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so Cassie's mom is like, oh, wait, what the fuck? This tiger escaped from my zoo. I just love somebody walking in and knowing a bunch of tigers so well that they're like, oh, this is definitely a tiger that I know. <laughs> yeah, sure. I, I can't say That's I would great. be able to like point at a tiger and identify it in any sort of like way. Yeah. I mean, if you work in a zoo, you probably notice, like, some fur patterns well, yeah, or something. Sure, the I just think it's delightful. <laughs> no, it's great. <laughs> well, no, of course not. Yeah, no, it's, it's very, um, it's very Also, uh, basically, to make sure that Jake got taken care of, Rachel and Axe are in fly morph. Um, and after they think they're pretty sure that the situation is under control and they've thought spoken to Cassie about it, um, as they're escaping, as they're leaving, <laughs> Rachel ex- makes an explicit point to be like, Oh man, I really just want to hunker down in Jake's blood and take a sip right now because I'm a weird fly, but I gotta leave. And it's like, what the fuck? I love her so what much. I, I didn't, ca- I didn't realize this until just now, but I'm, sh- I'm sure it's intentional that it's circular that this book like starts and ends effectively with Rachel and Axe flying away from the aftermath of David. I really loved seeing Rachel and Axe together. I think Me it's not something too. that we've seen enough. Yeah, it's such um, a good dynamic. Yeah, we, we don't ever get yeah. it. It's great. There's a, there's a great moment when Rachel asks Axe to do something or kind of commands him to do something. And she has a moment like, oh shit, I don't know if he'll listen to me. But Jake might be dead. Not saying that makes me the leader, but um, and Axe just like does it. <laughs> yeah, he's you know. He's a friend. It totally, I I love like reaching to your local, reaching to your lo- reaching to your local dome ship, and you will find a friend and boy. Exactly, yes. <laughs> a son and boy. Sorry, <laughs> Sadie. Sorry, Sadie. You were saying. Um. Well, they're two, two warriors. warriors like that. Oh yeah, I just yeah, I just love seeing like the warriors put together and be sort of tactically yes. minded because they're definitely the most vicious of the group. Oh, and for sure. Yeah, seeing them work together is really cool, and mm-hmm. they 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 essentially, um escape up to the roof where they find another couple cops who are like investigating the broken skylight and they realize these cops are controllers because they're like oh that must be an andalite bandit um and this yet again so i love Eric's villain so much because they're like shit viscer three would be so pissed if we didn't like kill or capture him well maybe viscer three doesn't have to know <laughs> They and, are like, the best. They are so like, good. The Yurks ha- being cowards as like one of their defining traits just remains, makes them still some of my favorite antagonists in like all of sci-fi because they are such little fucking wimps and I love yeah. it. It makes me so happy. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's it's like, 
how much like how little gets done because of because they are they are afraid of their higher ups yeah you know exactly like i you know i bet they could have probably taken over the entire universe and by this point um were it not for like geez but if i if we like fuck up and then tell someone they're definitely gonna kill us so let's just not do that <laughs> Um, yeah, and it's probably like a lot of time just spent, you know, sitting on your ass and twiddling your thumbs because you're like, ah, but if I fuck it up, you know, I'm definitely gonna die, so I might as well just not do anything, right? Exactly. <laughs> it's so good. It's sort of like this weird critique of like corporate culture. <laughs> yeah. Like, like I, I mean, mean I, I like that, 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 it's more about political systems. Right. Obviously, but, that like, was most that was uh, most um, most uh, obvious in um, one of the earlier books, like one of the first ten when. Like, Visitor 3 had them dead to rights and just to, like, fucking rust basically basically just to rustle his fucking jimmies. Visitor 1 is like, oh, I'm gonna let y'all go free. See ya. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, every single time that happens, it's my favorite thing. Yeah. They're so useless. Yeah. It's great. And at this point, um, Rachel and Axe go to make sure that David hasn't found Marco and Marco's okay. And at this point, we see David do what is arguably, if we follow the in-universe logic and morality, and probably objectively, the absolute most horrific thing that David has done yet. Yeah. Um, <laughs> oh my god, yeah. Um, which is uh, Morph Marco, basically. Yeah, yeah Hogtie yeah, and Morph yeah. Marco. Yeah, we they, they think that they found Marco sleeping, and then when they go in, Marco uh, hits Axe with a baseball Louisville bat. Louisville Slugger, baby. You got that product placement. Just like Carrie Underwood if you, used. If you, need, yeah. if you need to fucking murder a bird, Louisville Slugger. Take it to both headlights, kill a bird. Uh, but he doesn't do a very good job, does he? <laughs> Uh, yeah, he doesn't, he's really, you know what, <laughs> um, sorry, so did you just, say, sorry, so did you just say taillights? No, I said headlights. Okay, okay, I was like, that's not the lyric. It could have been. No, <laughs> could have been, you know, um, <laughs> um, yeah, uh, gotta say, for someone, like, going up against a bunch of birds, uh, David's not particularly good at actually taking any of them no. out. <laughs> yeah, because, like, I mean, he should have straight up just killed Axe. Yeah, um, but, like, Axe was, like, his, like, part of his beak broke, but then he was, like, yeah. fine. <laughs> it, I mean, for the obvious reason, it really made, you know that uh, awkward, I think it was an awkward zombie co uh, comic that always used to go around explaining Pokemon-type yes. weaknesses? <laughs> and the one that's, like, why is fighting strong against bird or weak against birds? It's like, have you ever tried to punch a bird? <laughs> <laughs> David did it! <laughs> He yeah, but like, he, I mean, but he didn't do a really good job. No, he didn't, put his, he, right? didn't, he didn't put his back into it. No. He didn't, no. there was no follow, there was no follow through on the swing. It didn't clear the, it didn't clear the stands. No home run, just a, just an in the park double. Yep. Speaking of birds, um, so as we know, we all talked about how the fact, the fact that Tobias died last, mm -hmm. last book, but, um, Okay, and I kind of, we all kind of knew, or at least I knew, that uh, he wasn't going to stay dead, yeah. for sure, because, like, there are more books in the series, and you're not going to lose, like, a fifth of your cast, oh, right? Or six. <laughs> um, and uh, <laughs> um, the way we find out that he's not dead after, like, uh, Rachel absconds um, is he's just, like, 
oh, I was supposed to be dead. I'm right here. Hello. How are you doing? I know. Because, <laughs> okay, because David thought he killed Tobias, but he just killed some other random red-tailed hawk. killed another bird. <laughs> which is, um, like, a horrible, but also kind of the funniest fucking thing ever. Like, I literally laughed out loud yeah. when I read that. Because <laughs> I was like, dumb book. Like, okay, you you created this. Oh, it's, it's such, like, a hilarious payoff to like the tension of like losing a character right yeah. like i mean even if you don't think like if you genuinely think tobias is dead and it's like there, there's no like no like grandiose grandiose reason why he survived it's just that they killed the yeah, wrong just one the david, it's, just it. the david like it's so fucking stupid because he's a child <laughs> he's it's just like, a child it's so horrific but it does make the mental image of david just fighting a random bird, bird so funny. funny but I, I, mean, I mean i'd still i still hate him for just killing a bird even if he thought it was just a bird so <laughs> oh i mean obviously but i i, I yeah. think it's the failure inherent in it absolutely especially because he's yeah and he like bug. he he doesn't find out that Tobias is alive until the end of the book. Which right. ends up, it's basically the only reason that any of their plans work. Yeah, it's an it's, it's a huge ace up their sleeve. The biggest ace up their sleeve is that David didn't fucking, didn't know how to f- check if, the, didn't bother the thought speak some shit to the bird. Yeah. yeah. I will say I was reading this book in the library and I did have to lean back and sort of fan my eyes a little bit when Tobias just like swooped in because Rachel was like being attacked by David and Tobias is just like, sup? And I was like, ah, a boy and a lad boy. and a son he's here. and a child. He's, he's here. Yeah. And then, no. okay, I will admit, as much as I thought that payoff was kind of interesting, I found the way that all of the tension of all of the injuries suddenly wrapped up in two paragraphs a little underwhelming i mean yeah um, i i understand i mean that's just I that's just capitates writing style I, she just gets to the peak goes goes past it well, a little bit and then just moves on to the next build, rising action not normally this drastically that's fair that's fair and i'm saying like, i'm saying, I'm saying I, it's the logical conclusion of her no, writing and style i understand like, I understand why she did it, because she had other shit to get to, obviously, in the book. I just found mm-hmm. it very, like, discombobulating jarring. and jarring. Yeah. yeah, because it was like, Tobias is here. Oh, that's cool. End of chapter. Next chapter. So Jake was fine, because adrenaline, and he demorphed, and Marco was fine. We found him in a closet, and obviously, <laughs> Tobias was fine, so it's all good. And it's like, what? Uh, and then we went to school. Like, we went to school. After, on no sleep. There, and finally, there was only one closet left for Marco to come out of. Yeah. <laughs> Someday, buddy. Someday. <laughs> and then, yeah, this can just keep... Su- it, it, the thing about... It's almost... I think the only reason that that didn't throw me off so much is that she... like they, The book immediately starts building this tension again because for this entire book, David is essentially a specter. Yes, there's it's no way so for them cool. to know... Yeah. This this book these, these these books are always a little bit like horror-y in some ways, just about like, you know, the the alien like the invasion of the body snatchers type shit, but like this is the first like this is basically it follows. That's exactly the comparison I was gonna make, yeah. Fuck yeah. Soul jump soul jump from soul It wasn't gonna Don't be a punchline. I was just gonna compare them. <laughs> oh, okay. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh. It's okay. It's because it's I'm... so fucking yeah, sorry, you go on. <laughs> 
Yeah, sure. At this point, basically, uh, Marco, quote unquote, walks into the cafeteria to join them, but he's being a little bit too jaunty. Like that's how he gets that's how he gets caught because he's like he's got like a pep in his step, and everyone's like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> and that then can't be like, Marco. Marco has clinical depression. Exactly. <laughs> and. Yeah, I think that he, he like, performs a maneuver, like, he, like, turns a chair around and, like, kicks his foot over it to sit on it backwards. Yeah, he sweeps his leg. And then he crosses yeah. his arms over the back of it and is like, hey, kids, I'm going to threaten your lives. But also, let's talk about drugs and why it's bad to do them. I'm former president. Yeah. Rap. I'm former president. I'm former president Bill Bill Clinton. Let's talk about why drugs are bad. I don't. Okay. Well, I don't David know. has been Bill Clinton this whole time. Oh my, can you imagine? My my David face claim for the open Animorphs RP is Bill Clinton. (laughs) Can we we run like an indie uh, Tumblr RP of Animorphs? Yes, absolutely. Um, But Bill Clinton's just there. Bill Clinton's just there. My AU, Bill Clinton is just there. I know I've been like talking, I've been like looking for resources to do an Animorphs tabletop game. And I think mm-hmm. the only way to tie all the all of the uh, the one shots and all the, like the, the 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 hacks I've seen together is just throw a bystander Bill Clinton into the mix. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's actually that's I mean, actually a really well known rule in tabletop RPG design. Is just throw if Bill Clinton. Seeming a little loose. Yeah. You just sort of tie him up with the bill. Yeah, Clinton specifically. Yeah, mm-hmm. it can't uh, be a uh, it can't be a hater or a uh... no hater just fucks it all up. Yeah, right. Yeah, no, no. Yeah. Um, did did you know it's actually canonical that whether you're aware of his presence or not, uh, Bill Clinton is actually extant, um, in every tabletop game. I yeah. didn't know that. It's just not mentioned because no, no. it's not part of Harry's story. Now. Um... <laughs> Yeah. Now, 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 my question. Now, my question is: in, in the absence of a Clinton, will a Blanks do? Can we just like get a Billy Blanks in, or does Bill no, does just... Billy throw the whole thing off? Does it have to be a Bill? No, no, no. no. It, it doesn't matter if it's Clinton Bill specifically. Okay. Because he's just. I mean, there's there's no way you can be without him because he's always there. He's That's always the there. thing about Bill Clinton is that he's always there. <laughs> he's just there. We are 35 minutes into this podcast, by the way. <laughs> And we have uncovered a brilliant secret to success in tabletop games. I think you know, that we should just you know, turn like, this into a design yeah, podcast. You know, like, what, well, what's, it call it? Call, what's it called? What's it called? You know Secret Hitler? Secret Clinton. Secret Clinton. <laughs> Except for it's not a game you play, it's just part of every game you play. The Secret and Clinton is it's not so much a secret, it's more like Quiet Clinton. Quiet <laughs> Clinton! <laughs> just, yeah, like, always- just, like, just like in the corner of the tavern where all your heroes meet up, you just hear, How you doing? Well, That's you like don't Bill hear Clinton. anything. <laughs> <laughs> right, because he's a, a really quiet Clinton. A better Bill Clinton would be like... Yeah, you know? Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's a direct quote. <laughs> yeah, a direct, qu- a direct quote yeah. from Mr. Clinton, archived from his speech. That time when he said... I have, that, I have that on a throw pillow. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> it's technically on every oh, yeah, throw yeah, pillow. Yeah. I've, got, I've got one of those pillows <laughs> that plays an, I got one of those pillows that you can press a button to play an audio clip, <laughs> and it just like, you tap it, and there's like some static of like the audio recording, and it's just. And that's the end of the clip. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> this is the best episode of this podcast we've ever done. I am. I am. I am still thinking about how it's on every throw pillow. So I think in essence, 
Bill Clinton lives in all of our houses. Yes. But anyway, so uh, now that David's done morphing Bill Clinton, he, oh, he it like, follows, but it's Bill Clinton Bill, and just it, Bill, Bill Clinton. Bill follows. <laughs> Hey, what about what about that scene? What about that scene in Anne Follows in the house with a super duper tall guy, but that walks in behind the girl uh, behind yeah. the girl's friend, except it's Bill Clinton. Oh, I mean, I'm just thinking like there's a Bill Clinton in your house right now, and it's your job to find. Don't him. say that. I'm scared now. <laughs> I, I didn't say he could do any damage to you. It's just Bill fucking Clinton. He's just there. <laughs> I, you punch him once, and all of his bones shatter. It's fine. <laughs> um, but he's in your house. <laughs> oh my god! Is okay. Cassie uses her her empathy superpowers. <laughs> uh-huh. She sure does. <laughs> Let's get back on track. I'm a little Bill Clinton happy right now. Yeah, <laughs> a little little high off that good Clint. Yeah, um, that Clint. Um. That fresh shit. Mm. That new new. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I just want to talk about. Anyway, we ha- we can't we can't. <laughs> just want- <laughs> I I want everyone to know what that about I had a ghost hunting show, but it's just finding Phil Clinton. <laughs> I spot no, no no. Where's Waldo? But it's just where's Bill? But in real life. But in real life, in yes. Real life. Um, I just want. Oh, I think God. I want. What about the show, The Running? <laughs> what about the movie, The Running Man? About the show, Running Man, where instead of like masked, instead of like secret, like secret agents chasing down Bill, chasing down Arnold Schwarzenegger. It's just a bunch of Bill Clintons. What about the what if the Matrix instead instead of Mr. Uh, Mr. Uh, Johnson? What? what is it, Mr. Smith? Instead of yeah. Mr. Smith, it's a bunch of uh, Mr. Yeah. Clinton. What? Yeah. What if it? Yeah. I want. <laughs> so I I'm unchained. From, Mr. Anderson. I'm, I'm unchained from a laptop right now because uh, I'm in a place with no Wi-Fi, so I have to use the data off my phone. So I'm just kind of pacing around this living room, and I want to describe at least thirty-five <laughs> percent of the weird energy. In this particular podcast episode, uh, to that. <laughs> to Bill Clinton. To Bill yeah. Clinton. Um, it's also the Bill <laughs> Okay, so. Sorry, were you guys. Hey. Hey. Can we have Bill Clinton playing gently in the background for the rest of this podcast while we talk about it? <laughs> Clinton at that point. <laughs> okay, okay. Brief, brief break. I need to get some water okay. before I puke. That's awesome. We have to get back to this fucking book or else we'll like be podcasting yes. uh, infinitely. So David has morphed Marco and has basically said, give me the fucking cube and I'll leave mm-hmm. you alone. And they're like, no. fucking no. And he's like, well, ha ha ha. And then Marco starts walking over and he realizes what's actual Marco starts walking over. He realizes what's going on, and David's like, "Well, that's my cue. Well, Bye." And Jake's like, "Rachel, well, go what, after him." What he says eventually is like, "Well, even if you don't give me the cube, I can just tell Visser Three that not all the uh, Andalite bandits are Andalites, and also I have all your home addresses, so you're basically fucked anyway." Uh, and yeah, and then um, uh, Rachel goes after him uh, and um, <laughs> stabs him in the ear with a fork. Uh, she sure um, does. And threatens to kill her, his family, like his parents. Yeah, like explicitly. very, very explicitly is like, hey, you want to rat us out? Cool. I will kill your parents. Yeah. And then and stab yeah. them. <laughs> and she's like immediately horrified by herself. Um, yeah. But also like she, but it's like, it's, it's, a, it's interesting because she's like, 
okay, it sucks that I did this, but, like, what did Jake fucking expect to happen after he, like, let me go, yeah. you know? And then he, re- and then she it's... really gets mad about that, that she, like, that, like, she feels that, like, Jake is using her for the, the, the dirty work, basically. Like, he's, he's using her as a tool to do, like, the nasty shit that he doesn't exactly always want to do. Right. Well, it's, it's interesting. I really like how it's dealing with this because it's partially her dealing with, like, her own guilt and her feelings mm-hmm. of being out of control. Um, and part of her anger at Jake is certainly justified because, as they explore later, he's definitely being a hypocrite and, like, handing certain things off to her um, without, like, taking any ownership over them himself. Mm-hmm. Um, but part of it is definitely also her just grappling to find something like anything at all to blame for her behavior mm-hmm. because she uh, fairly soon after this they basically they they um sadler comes up again and rachel also points out that he sucks which is very funny and <laughs> she... really, even rachel's little even rachel's little sister is like yeah sadler kind of sucked yeah. yeah and um she she starts um having a big monologue like nothing bad happened to me i come from uh i didn't come from an abusive household sure my parents got divorced but a third of the school has divorced parents and the other third wishes their parents were divorced which i thought was very funny like very of its time yes to like when like divorce was still kind of thought of as a slightly weird thing yeah yeah um and yeah, she she basically she realizes that she has to go confront Jake, and she nearly gets stuck babysitting, but she just straight up older siblings her way to freedom, um, <laughs> by being like, "Oh, okay, yeah, sure, I'll I'll babysit Jordan and Sarah," and then Jordan, who's the eldest of her little sisters, is like, "I don't need a babysitter," and Rachel's like, "Oh, well, if I'm here and I'm babysitting, then I guess you're being babysat," and Jordan's like, "No," <laughs> so it takes about five minutes for Rachel to just like leave the house. Yeah. Um, Jordan's probably fine yeah yeah I think so because basically I believe it's at this point that we learn that um, Sadler's probably gonna die yeah yeah he's Um, like in like the ICU but for kids yeah Uh, so which is a very depressing place to be yeah she okay and then Rachel has to well Rachel has to have a conversation with her sister about mortality and like (laughs) I think it's kind of the thing that's like Rachel's a pretending to be a little bit less equipped than she actually is she kind of just talks through platitudes a little bit and it feels like i mean obviously she's still a child but i feel like she thinks about death more than the average child does you know so yeah yeah she's certainly confronted it more than the average child has i yeah i think we I I might have accidentally skipped a little while ahead, but I really like when that conversation happens because uh, even though yeah she certainly is like speaking like from the understanding of a kid, I think it's a really interesting discussion of how much grief is tied up with guilt, yeah. um, and how there's always that part of right. you that's like slightly happy it wasn't you and slightly upset however irrationally that this person is making you feel sad by being hurt and how all of those are really natural things and I think that I appreciated that partially because of the demographic of these books I love that it seems a little heavy of course but the thing is some kids are gonna have to deal with death and I love the thought that there are kids out there who could read this and have some sort of reference point for how complicated those feelings are and how it's okay that they're complicated 
Yeah. Um, right. No, absolutely. I mean, I feel like we should normalize death in a lot of ways in society. Yeah. But I think, I think normalizing an understanding of grief in children is really important because because you have no idea what's going to happen in that child's life and you're not protecting them from anything yeah. you know because this is a, a natural consequence to living is dying so it sure is <laughs> yeah um, no i i adored that i thought that was yeah really cool. so good mm-hmm. um, um but so oh, we, there's a, it, we, we we kind of skimmed over a big ish scene here. I feel like because the Jordan did, the, yeah. the Jordan talk happens after the uh, the the dolphin shit. Oh my god, we totally yeah. did shit. Yeah, it's okay, but that's all right. <laughs> it, it's kind of all. It's this book is so well structured thematically that it all kind of ties mm-hmm. together. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But this also is when they start to really have to do like subterfuge because basically Rachel goes to meet everybody at the barn and they start uh, making a plan out loud while having another plan secret- secretly because they just don't know David could be anywhere, could be listening. Right. Um, well, the um, first thing that happens when she shows up, which is a really good character moment, is that she like she's basically she basically like gives yes. Marco the fucking floater for the for the alley oop dunk. And uh, and yep. then she's like, okay, yeah, that's Marco. And then Cassie's like, yeah, we all did that when we first got here. And Marco mm-hmm. has some sort of line that he's like, all right, guys, now that you've all tested me, I'm a little worried that if I miss a punchline, you're all going to, like, murder me or something. So if we could just, like, move on. <laughs> I love the. Okay, I love them so much. They're just, they're just, like, best friends. It's really great. Um, and um, yeah, there's a couple really interesting, I love, I, th- I think like, as much as I said, I can't necessarily say that this book was better than other books. It certainly has a lot of the things that I really love about the series in it. Um, so yeah. it's just like in between all of this, uh, tension and drama, they still get the chance for these little nice character moments. Um, uh-huh. like they're, they're basically I... flying to the Marriott and a storm hits and they're all in a bunch of trouble. They have to morph from seagulls, two humans, two dolphins. Cassie decides to go first because she's the best at morphing. Rachel thinks Cassie's in mm-hmm. trouble, starts to recklessly morph. And then Cassie has to save Rachel <laughs> because Rachel was so busy trying to save Cassie that she nearly drowned. And it's like, it's like a throwaway sort of moment, but it's just so endemic of like their relationship. <laughs> Can I say girlfriends? Such girlfriends. Like, absolute girlfriends. I know. God. It's so good. It's it's like Rachel being in a panic because she thinks Cassie's in trouble. And then Cassie calmly being like, hey, Rach, you are swimming the wrong way. Let me help you up to the surface. <laughs> Let me help. <laughs> <laughs> it's so great. Um, I and I also, this, this whole sequence where they're doing a lot of morphing and stuff in this storm... Um, I think is some of the most interesting writing that we've seen because the way that it uses the waves like and the completely out of control power of the ocean um, to mm-hmm. have an all over sense of just complete helplessness is and chaos, and chaos yeah, absolutely is so good like it's it's so it's atmospheric in a way that I could like feel as I was reading it because they're mm-hmm. just basically like well we have no choice we have to morph but like we can't fucking fight water it's water water destroys rocks over like a long enough period of time what are our stupid little flesh bodies gonna do against it 
I think one of yeah. the I think one of my favorite parts about this book that's really understated is that like that entire scene, like the stormy water, like Cavalcade just fucking pulls out her English degree and just goes to town on these descriptions. It's really well done. Yeah, like like some of the descriptions are just, like straight poetry, like the like like the idea of like the like the hammer like lighting up the plate, like lighting up the sky above when they're on the dolphin morph looking up at the the sea level. It's fucking. Mm-hmm. Mwah. I'm like, yeah. I'm often very struck by the way that she describes um, the, the way that they see things when they're in animal morphs. Yeah. Um, uh-huh. Partially because they're well written, but partially because they belay sort of like a scientific understanding that must have been found. Like she did research to find out what these animals' vision is like. Listen, Capricorn did her. Right. Capricorn, really cool. Capricorn did her research. Oh, by the way, speaking of which, I looked it up. This is not the last book that Capricorn wrote. It was the uh, third to last. Okay, so cool. We've got well, we've got two, the, the third to last contiguous one because she writes after the starting at twenty five up until the end. They're ghost written. Um, but, uh, Capelgate wrote three of them. I don't actually know, I don't know what two of them are, but I know that the last one was all her. Okay, great. Interesting. But, um, so they do their, yeah, so they they... Do their sneaking style mission, and by which I mean they, they roll up on the beach and just turn into elephants and rhinos and just... It is, this part is so much this fun, part. because it, <laughs> because they just, like, they're like, you know, we tried being subtle and that sucked so um we're just gonna everyone knows where our like all the anyone like they would be hiding from knows and anyone that doesn't know uh wouldn't have any sort of explanation (laughs) for what was happening so we're just gonna go for it we have nothing to lose and nothing to hide so if we destroy enough of the hotel maybe they'll just cancel the conference (laughs) uh and i honestly i think if like they destroy any of the hotel as giant fucking uh-huh. animals uh the conference is probably canceled <laughs> so maybe they went a little overboard I but know. who could blame them well, you know their justification was we need morphs that can be shot at and not care that much which is yeah. like okay 12 year olds um <laughs> but it's i mean like valid yeah, yeah very <laughs> And it's it's a lot of fun. You're totally right because it's just them, and especially because of whose perspective it's from. We get a lot yes. of great like it's obviously huge for Rachel. We also get some great Marco moments <laughs> where he's just kind of being stupid. Yeah, um, it's <laughs> such a delight, and we get a, an amazing appearance from Visser Three. Um, I love it. <laughs> that like is just him at his most pathetic, and I found my, I couldn't believe how delighted I was. This is how good of a villain he was. That seeing him, he's like in human morph, covered in mud, just completely panicking, and seeing him in that helpless of a state gave me like a genuine like full body shock of just delight. <laughs> I know. I love. I mean, you talked about how much you love the Yerks in general as antagonists. I fucking love. Um, Visser 3. Visser 3 is so good. To the point where I think I might, I don't know, I do not think it's going to happen, but if he had a redemption arc, I would be kind of on board. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I mean? Interesting, no comment. (laughs) (laughs) Um, okay. (laughs) To justify that, his direct competition with Visser 1, look. Yes. You know what? Absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I, he is, and he's such like a whiny bitch. Um, he he's is. like, like he is um, shockingly like. Fu- I, I, we can't get into it. I'm gonna get too excited. Um, 
I totally get it. He's just, he's just basically throwing tantrums 100% of the time. And it's like the entire basis of his character is just he has short-term and long-term tantrums. Yeah. Um, it's great. I love it. Oh, and he's so, he, he doesn't, he like barely ca- cares about the cause itself. He's yeah. just so involved with his own ego, which yeah. is kind of why I think he would be willing to abandon the whole like plot entirely <laughs> for his own ego. You know what I mean? Right. Um, if, it, if it would benefit him, he would do it. Sure. Um, <laughs> Speaking um, of people who would abandon a cause for their own benefit, David is an orca now. Yeah. Um, so they, they run back into the ocean and they become dolphins again so they can go home. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, and then David shows up as an orca. Um, yeah, and, and he, re- he reveals to everybody else that Rachel threatened to kill his parents and there's sort of an awkward silence and Rachel is like well fuck all of you too <laughs> yep. internally and then they just like they just kind of basically dance around David until Cassie can demorph and remorph into a giant fucking whale at which yeah. point David doesn't re- doesn't know that that's a completely harmless animal but he's like well that's a big fucking that's a that is a big dog I don't like this goodbye yeah that's me with whales though <laughs> that's honestly fair I Everyone is always like a blue whale would never hurt you, and I'm like, it doesn't matter. It's big. <laughs> it's so big. There's... You ever seen that video footage of the woman at the at Sea World doing tricks with the dolphins, and then one of them just like lands on her? No. That can happen. <laughs> yeah. The hey, woman was fine. Woman, and... The woman, the woman was, was completely fine and made a full recovery. Just to clear the air, case anyone hear that it was like, oh well, my god, did so much of stuff. Fucking Sea World. So yeah, she probably yeah. left that job, and this was back. Mm-hmm. In, this isn't like oh one to be fair. Um, there's a horrifying moment where Rachel bites onto David's tail and he just sort of flicks her away and she gets all of her fucking teeth ripped out. Yeah, that sucks. <laughs> it's not great. And when Cassie arrives as a humpback whale, she calls herself Moby Cassie. And I'm like, absolutely, that's not what she said. What she said was, what's up? I'm Cassie Dick. Fuck you, David. <laughs> like, <laughs> There's no way. There's yeah. no way. Yeah. And yeah, this is basically, this is when we get the really great uh, discussion of, like, intersections of grief and guilt. Um, and David was listening the whole time. Yeah. Um, this part is so terrifying. So, like, yeah. Because basically, out of nowhere, Rachel starts hearing David thought speaking to her. And he starts quoting her, what she was saying to her little sister back at her. Um, mm-hmm. And he says her name about a thousand times, which I it's know like the is my like brother, a my brother thing. It, it's, it's, it's like, like my brother, my, yeah, Jeffrey. Yeah. Rachel, also, did, you, did you want to go to the Rachel Matthews Band concert? It's also Rachel. just one of my biggest pet peeves. I hate it when people say people's names too often because it's such a, like, it is the classic, like, how to manipulate people Mm-hmm. Like, oh, I hate it. Like, oh, good, great job, man! You read fucking How to Win Friends and Influence People. Glad, yeah. glad you got the, fr- glad you fucking read the free trial you get. Oh from my the god, you know he read it though. Oh my <laughs> he god, he did. did. He yeah, did. absolutely. And uh, then he, he also probably watched the movie. He probably also like read the spoof book How to Lose Friends and Alienate People as like what not to do. <laughs> yeah, he basically like villain monologues yep. and then ends it off with like. Well, go enjoy your shower. And Rachel's like, I'm good. I'm- I'll stink tonight. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to leave. And yeah. Yeah, it's it's so bad. Yeah, it's, a blamer. it's yeah, it really sucks. Um 
And basically, it just keeps getting worse because Rachel goes to confront Jake basically about using her as a weapon. Um, like she's going to finally like take all this anger out on him. And um, mm-hmm. they have a really interesting conversation where Jake tries to play it off as like, oh, I just needed firepower. And you've got the most demand. You've got the most damaging more. She's like, OK, but what about the what about the fact when you sent me to deal with sad or with David? And then at that point, uh Jake's parents come in and they're like, okay, we got to get going to see Sadler before he fucking beefs it. Let's go. And yeah. so, like, Jake yeah. is like, we'll fucking talk about this later. And so they pile into yeah. the car and drive out to the hospital. And it's like, oh, it's a miracle. He's, Sadler is healed. He's got no more skin abrasions or broken bones. And he doesn't look like hamburger anymore, which that's his, his, Jake's dad says that uh, Sadler looked like hamburger. I know. That's brutal. <laughs> I know. It is brutal. You don't. I mean, you don't say that. Okay, you say no, that. I mean, you can say that about a person who like has recovered. Sure. But I um. Guess. So Jake. I feel like a person can say yes, that about themselves. Jake honestly. immediately realizes what Rachel doesn't, because Rachel's like, "Oh shit, it is a miracle," and Jake's like, yeah. "Hey, that's David." I mean, I, I don't even know what Rachel was thinking, because immediately I was like. Oh, they were like, oh, yeah, he was about to die, and then his eyes opened, and, like, I didn't have to hear anything about the recovered injuries. I'm like, oh, David morphed fucking... Sadler. Yeah. Sadler. I think yeah. she, was, she was just so um, in her feelings from having her conversation interrupted that she was too busy, like, trying to work. Because several times in this book, she's like, listen, I'm not really one for feelings or thinking about stuff. Yeah. <laughs> specifically, like, I specifically, you, I love you. I, love so I think, like, one of the things that Rachel later says, after this revelation, she and Jake sit down and have a talk because they know there's nothing they can do in the meantime while they're stuck at the hospital. So they sit down and have a talk. And Jake has this long diatribe about, like, he says, like, Rachel, I think you're, like, the only person who would be, like, a little bit upset at this all ended. Cassie's got her own reasons. Marco's, Cassie doesn't like this. Marco has personal reasons. Axe just wants to go home and fight years with his own people. Who the fuck knows what Tobias wants? But you, you, Rachel, you love it. It's what makes you so brave. It's what makes you so dangerous to the Yerks. And her response, her internal response is just, I let his words blow past me. I heard them. I'd feel them later, but I didn't want to feel them right now. Yeah. Which is just, that says yeah. so much about her in uh, in two sentences. And it's very good. I mean, she compartmentalizes so much. And a lot of that comes to a head in this book. But she still does a lot. These are broken children. (laughs) It's really, it's great because, like, they do that. But they acknowledge, both of them acknowledge that both of them have passed the point of no return. Yep. Because Jake Jake is like, everyone's got the... He's like, everyone's... to her. And then Rachel's like, okay, cool. Well, what about you, Mr. Commander? Like, this war ends and you're just going to go back to making B minuses and being okay at basketball? <laughs> so yeah, very funny. <laughs> Which is, like, unnecessarily brutal, you know? But then Jake, Jake is like, I, everyone's, got their, everyone's got their limits and uh, nobody's found mine. Get it, mountain joke, mountain goats, mountain jokes? I literally, the, the, the top of this page says in parentheses, choked out mountain goats. Uh, start of a Rachel playlist. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, wow. Wow. But, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Rachel says wow. that, and then Jake is Jake also says that he doesn't really know his limits either because he thought his limits were like using his cousin, his friend, as a tool uh, to enact violence, and he's like, "But I guess I'm not above that." I I yeah. have always have I always have such intense emotions about characters who are like related to each other. Uh, Absolutely. And the fact, like, yeah. I mean. 
cousins, like, like they are in it for like the fucking, like for better, for worse. Like they've kind of committed to the whole thing. Like Jake is committed to being a leader and Rachel is committed to being a warrior. Like Jake fucking said, like everyone else would be more than happy to drop it. Right. So, but they're like, they're, they will be both completely lost when, you know, this is all over or whatever. I mean, okay. Now I I just looked at the lyrics to choked out just for a quick second. Cause you did, I did reference that and you said it by name, but, um, worried look on the face of the ringside nerds at one for once with the universe like oh my god rachel hey yeah no i was very like i immediately thought about it and i was like well time to make a rachel playlist yeah please link Uh, it to me when you make it sure um but jake jake apologizes he's like yeah i know you're right i've been making you do my dirty work and i've been like washing my hands clean of it and just saying it was your fault and i'm sorry and then they and rachel's like I'm not, this isn't normally something I do, but uh, I did hug him. Oh, yeah. So. Family. <laughs> and it's like, of course you did, sweetie. Family cousins. Like, family. <sighs> Jesus. Hey. What the fuck? <laughs> Fucking motorcycles. Hey, we're, we're, we're po- hey, we're podcasting here. Hey, I'm podcasting here. That was my Bill Clinton. <laughs> wow, that was really good. Um. Yeah, and they basically... Uh, then have to sort of hang out with the group and try to come up with a plan to defeat David, who is now living full time as Sadler. And Marco makes a point at like the beginning of the scene to be like, hey, guys, I never liked him. Remember that. And they're yeah. all like, okay, fuck it. We know. Yeah, I think Rachel says goody for you. And it's like, yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah, they, they 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 basically put on a fucking stage play for David here because Marco like fucking calls out Rachel and he's like, and she like doesn't really take the bait because she like needs to play the part of the, the the very weathered finally bested girl and Jake I swear to God Jake should have fucked the dog on this one because like he absolutely says at the end basically. And, and David is just so much smarter and more genius and inventive and cooler than all of us. Yeah, but David's ego is like the, the thing. Fact, yeah, I mean, yeah. you're, you, 1-800, you ain't wrong. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but um, I, like, I, they, I don't think that they, it's, it's not revealed until after that they were doing this as, like, to show off to David, right? No, but, like, some of, remember... some, of Rachel's, some of Rachel's comments to herself are basically saying as such. Yeah, like they don't, they don't, I, I they, just, it doesn't say it explicitly, but she's basically like, "Will David believe this? Is he listening? Is he stu- is he stupid well, enough to be smart but enough?" But it's 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 far enough after this scene that I was like, "Marco's straight up pushing Rachel to murder a dude. What the fuck?" Yeah, <laughs> and then like shortly after, Rachel's like, "You're sure David was here, right?" Which is good. Yeah. Um, but they basically outline a plan, and David like pulls out the trump card by meeting them at Taco Bell, and is like, "Okay, well, we're gonna give you the, the Escafil device. This is the only way out." And yep. he like basically they do the, uh, the my favorite thing in heist movies, which is when they manipulate someone into demanding something. Like they basically they for they force a card on him, like in a in like a magic trick, they force a card on him, mm-hmm. and so he thinks that he's the one who's like, "I'll make Rachel show me. I will use this Pepsi bottle." Yeah. Yeah. Um, I will say just briefly one thing I really loved. Um, they are at one point doing something mysterious before meeting up, and 
um they're all like it's a beautiful day and axe is like why do humans think some days are better than others and someone's like well because rain sucks and he's like but rain's important how is that not beautiful and marco's like oh i like it when it's sunny because then all the girls wear a tank top and you're like egregious egregious okay a egregious but b marco does specifically bring that up out of nowhere because rachel and axe start talking about what they're going to be doing and obviously none of them want to be thinking about it so marco's like i'm gonna be horny for a second here and there's a moment that was really interesting to read in a book that was published 20 years ago which is that um they all meet publicly in this taco bell to sort of do the whole thing with david and they're all very like hyper aware um, realizing that David could have sold them out and they wouldn't know. And Rachel makes a comment like, I mean, the thing is, they don't have to attack us like aliens. Visser 3 could just have somebody come in with a gun and, like, kill us all with a gun in this Taco Bell. And it would probably hit the news, but it wouldn't be that weird. Yeah. And it's like, oh, And also, like, no. then they don't, then, but, like, regardless, like, the problem, the problem would be solved, you know? Yeah, absolutely. So. But it's just it's just like no, yeah. 20 years on that comment is a, like, "Oh no, then too." Yeah. Huh? Uh-huh. Uh-oh. Whoops. <laughs> Whoopsie. <laughs> and yeah, then basically David is a dick and Rachel cries in a Taco Bell, which I did write down mood. <laughs> <laughs> I think we're all kind of crying in a Taco Bell and like our hearts and the stuff. Thing, the thing is, right. not to, not to make another Mountain Goats reference, but crying in a Taco Bell does sound a little bit like like not a not a not a Mountain Goat song, but like if Al Yankovic did a parody of a Mountain Goat song, it would be called Crying in a Taco Bell. Sounds a little bit like a front bottom song. It does actually yeah, sound much, much more like a genuine non-parody <laughs> of a front bottom song. Well, front bottom, that's not, not really a front bottom song name, but more of front bottom's lyric yeah. than anything. Yes. Front bottom's names Absolutely. are like swimming pools, flashlight. Like I can't think of any other front bottom songs off the top of my head. Yeah. Swim trunks, <laughs> jorts. <sighs> Yeah. <laughs> Will we ever stop cutting our jeans into jorts? No. <laughs> <laughs> Time to spring your jorts back into jeans. Um, we get a lot of David villain monologues in this book, and we're about to encroach upon yet another, where basically they've they've um, sowed the lie that um, Axe has broken down the Escafil device, and Cassie and Rachel like hit it in several pieces. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they get to the site, they let David do the whole thing where instead of, they're both supposed to turn into rats and everyone else is just supposed to hang out, but no, uh, he turns into a snake and he threatens to kill Rachel and makes everybody else go into a cockroach form and puts them in a bottle. And then David's like, oh man, Rachel, if you hadn't been such a bitch, you totally could have joined me and we could have just like fucked off and like been cool together, but instead you suck. Uh, and it's so gross. He is the <laughs> grossest. Like, he like, really sucks. He's like peak like male entitlement, but as a yeah. child. He's like peak male entitlement with the intelligence of a child. Yeah, and I, I actually love that ultimately that is his downfall because he like Rachel plays like stupid weak girl in order to like trap him into a false sense of security mm-hmm. um which was like kind of horrifically relatable <laughs> just being like I don't want to deal with you so I'm just gonna pretend I'm like sad and like dumb um yeah and yeah and basically gets him trapped in a they end up catching him, but before they do that, David realizes something's up, and he, like, catches Rachel by the tail, 
And so Rachel chews her own tail off. Which is fun. She's a rat, you know, like she's not like, she's not an animal that can just drop their tail and like be fine. Yeah, she has to chomp it off. Yeah, it's and then like continue with it. Horrifying. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, and then run the fuck out and let David be captured. And just this awful moment where Rachel like is like, "All right, well, this is what we have to do." Yeah, and, and can I just? I want to point out that um, uh, in would it have been either the first book or the most recent one of the trilogy, they had that long conversation where. Um, everyone was talking about how uh, they needed to go about trap like uh, the plan with Visser three logistically mm-hmm. and try to look at all of like the logic and what he would do. And Cassie was like, "No, in order to fight against a guy like this, you have to understand that he's driven entirely by ego, and you have like that's what drives him. It's not the logistics; it's completely personal." Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah, and yeah. This yeah. is this is one thousand percent that coming back up mm-hmm. which is incredible and it's this terrible moment where Cassie just starts crying as they have David trapped as a rat in this cage and Cassie starts crying and it's revealed that like um she came up with a plan Jake and Rachel didn't know what to do yeah and Cassie was the one who was like listen if we if we make him believe this, we make him believe this. This is how he's going to act. This is what he's going to do. And ultimately, it will be his downfall. Yeah. Um, Which is, like, obviously has been explored in the past couple books of her using sort of her, like, empathy powers for, um, not for evil, per se. But, but just to go against her for manipulation, world, certainly. Yeah, absolutely. Where she has to decide which life is worth more than another, yeah. basically. And, yeah, they basically, they're going to trap David as a rat. They're going to make him a Nothlet. And they, um... This is kind of horrible. Like, the the whole thing of becoming a Nothlet is so, like, terrifying for me. (laughs) Like, it's it's just, like, when it it happened, when they, like, in the the, the one where, like, she, like, Cassie almost becomes one. Yeah. That one's, like, that's freaky. Um, Totally. Yeah, and it's, it's just, like... Especially as, like, a fucking caterpillar, right? Yeah. But this is not a caterpillar, this this is a rat. (laughs) This is a rat, which it seems almost scarier because they are slightly more capable of thought. Um, And so it's very much implied that David, like, kind of knows that he's in there. Yeah. Um, For me, this scene had a lot of really interesting echoes of starving the yurk out of Jake. Mm -hmm. Um, Oh, but they just have to wait. They just have to wait, and it's very specifically Rachel and Axe keeping vigil. I think that if one of them were made into a controller now, they probably wouldn't have a full rotating cast of people watching him. I think it would be, you know, Rachel and Axe, because they can kind of handle it. Yeah. And other people can't. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and yeah, Rachel and Axe just sit there for two hours while David screams and screams and screams yeah and then they turn into birds and they like drop him on an island that a bunch of rats hang out on and then later it's implied that david has become like a legend of a haunted rock because some kids were like on a boat and they went near this island and they went near a rock and they just heard it screaming oh my god Um, oh my god (laughs) 
Yeah. 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 Um, and it's like, oh. Yeah. <laughs> so, and, and Rachel, and Rachel <laughs> says, find a way. situation, David. Come on. Yeah. Ra- not? Ra- Rachel, at the end, Rachel is flying away with action. She's like, hey, Axe, I don't ever want to think about this again. Yeah. And who can blame her? Jesus Christ. Um, well, hey. so that's David Trilogy. Hey. So can y'all understand why I was so pumped to get to this shit? No, it's good. It's fucking crazy is the thing. It's like insane. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. uh, more conversations about morals than I think we've had in a bit. <laughs> I would argue certainly the most we've had outside of a Cassie book. Yes, absolutely. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, almost Definitely. never. And like, God. do we talk about morals in a fucking Marco book? Anyway. Um. Let's uh let's get into some questions. Do you have those pulled up, Sarah, or should I? Yes, I do. I got one. We got one question this week. Okay. Uh, so we got a question from at Heavenly or Heavenly Evan, which is actually a question I want to talk about. So I was glad to see it can't yes. come in. Did David kill a kid? K K A Applegate or Caplegate, as she is frequently known, says he didn't, but um, um it is crazy to he, me that she says that he didn't because like it's. He killed a kid. He killed a kid. Uh, I, I, you, I, I don't know. I don't think I, David. Unless, I unless, think it's different because and, the kid was going to die anyway. I'm certainly not arguing that. that he did a good. I mean, I feel like unless we, we do. Unless we knew for the, a fact okay, that the, he was the, already the que- dead. The, before... the question is, the question isn't, is, was the kid he killed going to die anyways? Because then like. You're draw that because then we have to draw a weird uh, a, a weird line of where exactly death happens, whether it's from the moment of because Sadler, if as long as Sadler was still drawing breath, like I mean, that's still he's still breathing, still kicking. And the question really is, would David violate his extremely co- extremely reinforced code of never killing a human to get out of this in one final gambit by killing someone who was on death's door anyways? I mean, I guess the answer is obviously. And yes. the question is, the question is, the question is. I mean, I, I'm fully agreeing that he also killed Sadler. Yeah. But like, if Caplegate says he didn't, like, what? The, either Caplegate has a fucked up perception of death, or she, or she purports that um, David like stashed his barely alive body somewhere, effectively killing him. Well, I mean, so no, I don't think he actually snapped his neck or anything, but I think uh, standing in the way of any sort of, and, and okay, so I, I guess there's information we don't know. Like was- Because what, what, what it says is that the, 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 uh, the elevator lights, the elevator broke down, uh, the two orderlies uh, got like, and when the elevator opened again, Sadler was there. Uh, and he was perfectly healthy, but the two orderlies were knocked out. Right. So my question there is, what the fuck? Because obviously uh, David used that time to uh, take to to morph Sadler. Right. What the fuck happened to Sadler's body? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, yeah, that part's not ever discussed, and I think was probably deemed too horrific for this series. <laughs> oh God, you think he ate him? No, I no, I think that just. In, I think that just inherently finding a dead kid well, when, no, you were no, just, uh, when you thought they were alive. No, no, no. Obvi- be... Obviously, but like in universe, given that there were three, bo- there were th- there were three bodies that went into the elevator, three bodies that came out, three bodies that went in were the two or were the two orderlies and Sadler. The three bodies that came out were David and Sadler and the two orderlies. 
Where the fuck did Sadler, actual Sadler's body go? My assumption is because it's a hospital, the elevator's open on both sides. So theoretically, he would have been able to drag him out into the hall and stash him somewhere. But they explicitly state that the elevator broke down. There's no way he could have been able to get it out the back door. I don't think they explicitly say it broke down. I think they say it was jammed. Yeah. Okay, no, you might be right about that. Yeah. yeah. So it, it was just stopped, which is... Yeah. Yeah. Um, that is, that is, like, the only thing I can think of as, like, the in-universe justification. Yeah. Um, because partially, um, if he'd eaten him, then when he morphed, I don't know how that would have worked. Like, when he morphed back to human, because a human body can't fit inside of another human body. <laughs> but would that, but would that, okay, so, if you, <laughs> okay, if you eat something while you're in morph, but then change to a different morph. Um, I don't, I think that stuff you ate sticks in your old morph, right? Because it must, because like yes. when, when they go, say if you eat like a cheeseburger and then you become an insect, that doesn't explode out of you. Well, yeah, it goes to Z space. But the question is what happens about the stuff you eat while you are extant, while you are like, say you're a lion and you eat like, say you eat, say you are a lion, but you eat a cheeseburger do, like when you demorph, is that cheeseburger still like mm, I still have nutrients for like another hour and a half until I need to eat again? Well, or I think is it's it like because just... you you change bodies completely. I would think it would just remain in. But the thing is, like, I I find that difficult to justify with the fact that we know that like if you get shot while you morph, the bullet falls out of your body. Okay, sure. <laughs> well, that's yeah. just that's just because can we, can of the. Can we call up Caplegate? And like, hey, well, I mean, yeah. okay, say, say, say the re- I mean, the reason the bullet, the bullet uh, falls out with this is because like the bullets are piercing like large extremities on the ex, like large parts of the body that are not there in the extremities. Like you take an elephant and you replace it with a, you, you take an elephant, you litter it with bullet holes, you put an, uh, a person on the inside of it. The person's not going to get touched. Well, the thing I is, don't is know that what the they... fuck I'm saying. Let's end this episode, please. We're at an hour and twenty. Yeah, we're going a little crazy. We can have this conversation on a bonus episode or something. <laughs> yeah. Uh, if you want to support the show, Patreon.com/slash/TheWonder. Nope. Patreon.com/slash/FearBaiting. One dollar a month gets you access to polls and any bonus content we do, like that bonus episode where we try and discuss the intricacies of morph tech. Yeah. Um. Uh, uh, five dollars a month gets you a uh, message read on the show, and uh, ten and your name read on the show. And ten dollars a month gets you a uh, you get to demand a movie that we watch for fear rating. Our sister podcast that Blair and I do. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, and ten five dollars a month get your name read. So thank you very much to Michael Kaiser, Sophie, the cool Sophie, uh, Kit, and Paul Bechtel. Paul Bechtel. Yes. Thank you. Thank you very much for your support, folks. Yes. Um. If you want to find uh, this podcast at the Wonder Yorks on Twitter, we also have a Gmail account, but we don't fucking check it. Yeah, uh, I can okay. be found elsewhere on my leftism podcast, Henry Kissinger's Pokemon Going to Die. It's very fun. Uh, we talk about politics. I'm not going to be on this week, but it's going to be a fucking doozy of an episode because holy shit, a lot happened. Sure it should be. It, it, it's going to be coming out around the same time that, that you're hearing this episode if you're listening to it as it comes out. So go check that out. It's going to be a fun episode. Um, if you want to check me out, me personally out elsewhere, I'm at Sunhat Zenya. That's S U N H A T Z H E N Y A on Twitter, uh, and also on Twitch, where I've been trying to stream a little bit more frequently. And then also uh, chiasaltanakas.tumblr.com. And I think that's everything. Cool. Uh, yeah, if you want to find me online, you can do so at Blair Kitch on Twitter or blairkitch.tumblr.com. I'm not doing anything interesting or extracurricular, so just watch me be stupid on the internet. <laughs> 
Um, I'm on Twitter at nudity with an EA instead of a Y. And you can also check out my other podcast with just put up its first new episode in four months, uh, yesterday, Yay. um, called music. Oh, not yesterday when you're hearing this, but yesterday when we're recording this, yeah. uh, this I'm, week in any case called music for molehills. I'm not and being, I'm, I'm, I'm not exaggerating. And I, this isn't just because Seda is a friend of mine. Music for molehills is one of my favorite podcasts <laughs> to start happening in the last six months. I fucking love it so much. <laughs> it's such a good concept. And Seda is an incredibly talented musician and like both, com- both compositionally and like vo- vo- singing wise. That's yes. the word. Uh-huh. Seda makes good noise. Say this is an extremely talented person. If you want to check out the rest of their stuff, I recommend you go to gaygothvibes.online. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, and also uh, check them out at nudity on uh, with an EA on Twitter. Uh, yeah, I already did that. Your tumblers. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> That's Sorry. okay. You got too excited. Uh, anyways, uh, until next time, I'm Seda. Sarah. <laughs> I'm Blair. <laughs> I'm Seda. And remember. Uh, should we all say it? Hand on the, yeah, <laughs> three, two, two one. Keep, Keep your hands on the Escafil device. Yeah! <laughs> None of that's my <laughs> The only art that ever created. That was the dumbest. <laughs>